Uh-oh. Hey, I got to tell you, I did so much better than first service. There are still nails all over the stage here from me dropping my tool belt and all that sort of stuff. So some of you didn't get the memo that it's Labor Day today. You didn't dress. Uh, we are moving into our work mode here. Four weeks of looking at work from God's perspective. And what a great time to start, but on Labor Day. So I thought I'd bring some tools to kind of get things going. See, in my family with four boys, when you talk about work and you say something like a worker, man, it means this kind of stuff, right? So my biggest concern this morning, though, was this hat that it mess up my hair. Because, you know, I work so hard to make sure it looks just so. If you're new, you're, that might not make a lot of sense to you, but here we go. And, and then, you know, you have your important tools in the toolbox, a lunch, and your, you know, whatever you need to make things happen. For me, it's the iPad, and off we go. Well, here we are on Labor Day, kind of, how are we doing? <laughs> here we are on Labor Day, and we're talking about this concept of work. Now, Labor Day was a day historically set aside here in the United States to honor, honor the contributions of workers to America. Now, work uh, isn't just valued by America, but it's also something that's valued by God. And, and so um, there are a number of places in the Bible dealing with work. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at a different passage from the Bible each week to try to better, to better understand God's perspective on work. And hopefully, hopefully it will uh, you know, transform, transform our own perspective on work. Now, bottom line, as Ron shared a little bit earlier, work is more than making a living. It's making a life. And uh, it's seeing that my work isn't the point of my life. It's not the point of my life, but it's a part of my life. A place really where I have the opportunity to glorify God, encourage others, share Jesus at appropriate times and in appropriate ways, and use at least some of my gifts and skills. Now, this morning, again, as Ron said, this passage that we're looking at today is going to be you know, heavily kind of slanted towards the workplace. But I've got to be honest with you, if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're retired or grandparent or whatever your situation, you know that you still work, don't you? you know? And so I think you will find takeaways for whatever you continue can consider your own life and work and service and those sorts of things. God's going to want to speak to you this morning. That's my prayer. God, let us find one thing, one way that you want to change us as a result uh, of our time with you t- this morning. Well, as I prepared for today's talk, I thought of all the, um, with my music background, I thought of all these songs that had been written over the decades in the United States, even overseas, about work, you know, in our culture. And they probably reflect some of our own views of work. Let's watch and listen. Sing along Working if you want to. to find, what a way to make no booing. <laughs> There are a few. It tells me something about second service that BTO gets the biggest cheers, followed closely by the seven dwarfs. So nice, nice. That's right there. Well, interesting. Music has reflected a change of attitude. I thought back way back, you know, Snow White was so many decades ago, and it was hi-ho, off to work we go. In the same movie, we have whistle while you work, and now things have changed. Like, all I want is a couple days off, you know, and do I have to go to work expressed in our music? 
But we're going to move way beyond pop culture uh, lyrics today, and we're going to spend our time looking at Ephesians chapter 6. If you have your Bible with you, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll be looking at just verses 5 through 9. So if you have your Bible, you can open it up. A reminder, you know, we'll always print the words on the screen and put it in your program. We have those lobby Bibles. The Bible's in the lobby. If you forgot your Bible, you can grab it and bring it in with you, return it. If you don't have a Bible, bring it in with you and then keep it. It's yours. We just want to be able to put God's Word in your hand. So in your hand. So we'll be looking at Ephesians 6 uh, today. Now before we get into the details of these verses, verses 5 through 9, I want to deal with some of the um, contextual issues that will help us understand these verses better. Okay, we're going to look at these verses, but we need to expand a bit and say how, what's written about them and around them that will really help us understand what's here. So we see in Ephesians 5, chapter 5 and 6, in the verses leading up to them, some words that address relationships in a household of that day, okay? Worships, uh, uh, worship, uh, excuse me, relationships in a household of that day. There's some words written about husband and wife relationships, very common in a household to have a husband and wife. So husbands, wives, here's some directions. Then it's followed by some words about children's and parents, children and parents, how they should interact and how they should have a relationship. And then it goes on to the passage we're looking at today to the other relationship that was very common in a household, a typical household of that day, and that was of slaves and masters. Slaves, you could call them servants in some sense, certainly servants and masters. Now, I need to bring this up today right now because when we read about slavery, we can kind of freak out, right? You know, slavery, gosh, and, 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 and the reality is we could miss what God wants to say to us this morning. So I don't want us to take too much time with this, but I want to clarify two things when we talk about slavery. First of all, slavery in the Bible and in this passage is never condoned by the Bible. It's never, it's never uh, encouraged and really celebrated. It's just, again, We're going to talk about relationships. What do we see in the home? We have husbands and wives, and we have parents and children, and we have workers, slaves, and masters. And he talks about how to make those things work. It's it's neither lifting up or tearing down the concept of slavery that's there. God simply wanted to speak into that work relationship. So that's what we're looking at today. So please don't think that God favors any sort of unequal treatment of people, you know, regardless of race, creed, gender, age, or anything. Secondly, I want to mention the fact that slavery of the day was very different than what we generally think of as slavery. We kind of flash back to our own roots here in America, and it was ugly, wasn't it? You know, some of the atrocities that were committed were practiced in our country as we struggled with slavery. Well, that's not what was practiced by and large in this culture during that day. So again, you need to just kind of reframe things. Slaves of that day had rights. Slavery wasn't based on race, and slavery wasn't permanent. Every so many years, all slaves went free if they wanted to. And some of them didn't want to. It was a very different world in terms of what was going on. And so some of them just frankly saw being a slave and that master-slave relationship in a household was advantageous to them. And uh, they kind of liked that. They enjoyed their position in that relationship. Now, Now, I don't have time to go further with this. We could really take many, many minutes to talk about it, lots of research to be done. And, and you can do that on your own, quite frankly, especially with, with uh, you know, online opportunities for research. But I wanted to clarify those two points when we look at slavery. Again, the Bible doesn't condone it. It's just talking about how to deal with what was present. And also when we talk about slavery, it really wasn't slavery per se as we think about it there. But I also want to take a moment to, to make a second comment about the context of this whole section addressing household relationships. And this one's even more important, more important than the slavery concept. And it has to do with this. It has to do with the power source for what we're going to talk about today. See, there's a verse that appears before the household relationship section. It's Ephesians 5:18. if you want to just make a reference to that. And God basically says, I'm going to talk to you about household relationships. And, and here's the expectations and the desires and what I'm laying out for you. But he basically, before he goes on to it, he says, you know what? 
ain't no way you're going to get this done on your own. So let me set this up for you. And so God lays a foundation, Ephesians 5.18, and he says this. Stay with the whole verse because at the beginning you're going, what? He says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And be filled is in the, in the Greek is the same sort of word as being drunk with wine. So be drunk in a sense, be overcome with the Holy Spirit. Now, this verse is really important to us today because it sets the tone for the verses we'll look at. As I just said, it spells out the fact that the only way you have a chance to actually do and be what God calls you to do and be in this area is to be totally filled with the Spirit. Now, in the same way that drinking can kind of um, just take over your mind and your, and your body, even in that way, um, God says, I want you to be so full of me, God's saying, that I will take over your mind and body for my purposes. It's gonna, I want to control you in that same way. He's saying, we're going to talk about work, but please understand this, God says, the only way you can accomplish what I'm asking you to do is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be full of the Holy Spirit. He, the Spirit, will give you the power and desire to make this happen. So I want to let you know today as we work through this, it's written in a context of someone who's a follower of Jesus. Now, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, there are some great ideas, some helpful things for you here, but really the most helpful thing would you, for you, honestly, would be to enter into that relationship because God would give you the power to actually do these things, okay? For those of you that are followers of Jesus, he's saying be filled with the Spirit because that's what's going to give you the desire and the power to accomplish these things. Okay, there's our contextual comments about slavery, about being filled with the Spirit. And so now we're going to dive into these verses. And we're going to talk about the idea this morning of how I can embrace my work. And some of you are like, John, those are two different things. Embrace sounds warm and fuzzy and yummy, and, and work just doesn't. <laughs> how can I actually embrace my work and find that in some sort of an affectionate way? Is that what God desires? Well, let's take a look at it. How I can embrace my work. We're going to walk through these verses and hit six points to come up. First of all, I can embrace my work when I choose the right action. When I choose the right action, if you have your outline, you can follow along if you want to and fill in some blanks along the way. Now, Ephesians 6, starting at verse 5, starts with this statement. I'm going to start reading. It simply says this, slaves, remember what we said, slaves, obey your earthly masters. We're going to stop right there. Now, remember the discussion we had about slavery. We can really read this passage as directed towards each one of us and our work whether you're a slave or not. Your work sometimes feels like slavery, perhaps. <laughs> but, but, but it's really talking to us. As a work, you could say worker, an actual person, because we talked about work goes way beyond the job site too, doesn't it? Um, and so this is directed at working people. And the command here is obvious. Choose the right action as you work. When it's time for doing, do the right thing. You know, obey the boss, do what they say. And you know, that may seem like an obvious thing. You're kind of like, John, why even bother with that one? Let's just move on to the next one. But I got to stop. It's important because God says it's important. And there are two things to note here. Okay, it may seem obvious, but first of all, God sometimes states the obvious. <laughs> Look in the Bible. God states the obvious many times. Okay, he has a reason for that. Okay, because he knows that we sometimes need to hear the obvious. <laughs> and because sometimes the obvious for some of us isn't so obvious. Okay, so it's just right there, especially for us guys. Can I go there for a second? Gals, you often seem to be much more intuitive than us guys. I'm generalizing. But, so although you may not understand why we don't get something more quickly, <laughs> sorry, we just wonder why you don't tell us what we need to know straight out, obvious or not. It's not as obvious to me as it is to you women many times. God looks at us and says, man, women, all types, obvious, not obvious, I'm going to say what's important, whether it's obvious or not. It's right in front of you here, okay? God says, I want to be clear with this command. 
Well, the second thing to note about this obvious part is even when something seems obvious, kind of like, well, okay, obey, it doesn't um, mean that we always do it. Ooh, obvious, and yet something we do. God knows that we sometimes look for ways to wiggle out of doing the obvious. You know what I mean, the wiggle kind. Well, it's kind of, you know, and we kind of do some of that and says, God knows that's there, and he wants to let us know that he's serious. I want to be clear, and I want to let you know that I'm serious and pointed. Do what they say and do it when they want you to do it, even if you don't want to do what they want you to do, okay? Be submissive, do the right thing, do what they ask you to do. You might not think it's the best idea in the world, but once a decision has been made, you need to be ready to choose the right action to do what you're asked. All that's in there with the slaves obey your masters. Obvious enough for you? Okay. God says, I want to be clear, and I want to let you know I'm serious about this. Well, that's the first way to embrace my work. The second way I can embrace my work, and more importantly than the first, is to choose the right attitude. Okay, we chose the right action, which is I'm going to do the right thing, but now I'm going to do it for the right reasons and from the right heart. See, God wants us to be obedient, but more importantly, he wants that great attitude and the right attitude. And see, God knows that sometimes we can choose to do the right thing, but our hearts are totally in a different place, right, and, than our actions, and, and that's a problem. The Bible tells us again and again that God always looks at the heart first and foremost. He's more concerned with that than your specific actions. So I think, so I think it's safe to say that he considers the second point way more important than the first. So what is this right attitude then that God desires from us in work? Let's start again, Ephesians 5, 5, and continue with that verse. It says, As slaves, obey your masters, your earthly masters, with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. He says, work with an attitude of deep respect and fear from a heart, an internal heart that, that is sincere, as if you were serving Jesus himself. Now, when you look at these verses and these words, you may have uh, some difficulty with, those, with those, uh, those words, deep respect and fear, that whole bit. Uh, you see, usually if you respect your boss, there's not a whole lot of fear there, right? You know, you usually don't fear them. Or if you fear your boss, you know, heaven forbid, but sometimes it can be that way, then sometimes that doesn't lead to respect. They're just flat out scary, you know, and you don't necessarily respect that. How do you respect someone that you're afraid of, right? But the attitude that God is talking about is this. If you serve them with a sincere heart, as if you were serving Jesus, um, then you're not, then your respect and proper fear is not necessarily pointed towards your boss, but really at God. I'm going to serve them sincerely as if Jesus, so when he talks about respect and fear, absolutely I need to have a respect, a proper respect towards my boss. But are we supposed to respect and have a, a deep respect and fear towards God? Absolutely. An, an awe of God and a wow. And he says, in work, I really want you to kind of have some of that same thing here, but really it's because you're serving me and because that deep respect and awe and fear that you have of me is something that I want you to bring with sincerity of heart into the work relationship. Ooh, that's going to transform how you do your job, isn't it? why you do your job and how you do your job that's inside there, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, it's, uh, it, I started thinking back a bunch of years ago when I was in college, I started working part-time at a May company down in Southern California. Anybody have heard of the May company department stores? Okay, so... And some of you had something to say about it, too. <laughs> yeah. So May Company, way back in the day, you know, they had all the, you know, they, they merged with Robinson's and became Robinson's man, and they went off and did their own thing and, you know, whatever. So kind of picture a Macy's sort of a place, okay? And uh, so I actually started working there part-time while I was at USC studying music, retail sales music. 
Um, anyway, choice I made. And at some point, I, I, I decided I ended up working full-time, and, and I, got, I got promoted to be an assistant manager while I'm going to school and working my way into the music world. And uh, I got to tell you that I had a boss, the manager of my department, who she was a nice enough lady, but she had reached like just the top of where she could get. She wasn't all that talented, and she wasn't all that bright, quite honestly. She would even say that, but she had gotten where she was by hard work, and honestly, she deserved to be there. But I copped an attitude. I, I kind of looked at her, never told her to a face, of course. It was kind of like, you know, I'm way smarter than she is, and, you know, I'm having to pick up, and no, 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 no. And I just, attitude-wise, was kind of like, oh, boy, you know, I'm this part-time, oops, kind of almost full-time guy who, who would be better at her job than her. I, I was a musician. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I find myself kind of talking bad behind her, behind her back, you know, and just kind of, you know, and, and some of the other employees just became aware of my attitude about it. And you know what? It was not pretty it was an attitude of disrespect, and I made it hard on her to lead our department. I look back on it now, and I realize, ah, oh, it kind of hurts my heart. You know, I could make excuses now and say, gosh, I was, you know, I was only 20 years old. You know, she wasn't a very good manager, and no, 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 no. All those are qualifiers, but the, the truth is my attitude at work was not God-pleasing, and I blew it. I did. My attitude wasn't there, and what's more, there was my witness to her and the other employees to consider. I mean, how well do you think that I, uh, I led them to Jesus as a result of my work with there? Not at all, huh? You know what I mean? So how, that wasn't, for some reason, on my busyness of screen. They had a chance to see Jesus in me, and instead they saw my bad attitude. The Lord has forgiven me. You know what I mean? But I just want to share that to say I can be doing the right thing, and I was there, but my attitude wasn't there, and I actually worked to be a negative. And I was a follower of Jesus who loved Jesus with all my heart. Attitude's a big deal. Even when your boss isn't super boss, you know, like I have here at Twin Cities Church, Ron was here for service, I got to point at him here and he could laugh, you know. So, I mean, I get to, we get to work together and serve, you know, under Pastor Ron here. Even if he isn't super boss, God says, serve well and serve with a good attitude. Listen, listen, if you catch something this morning, this might be what God wants you to hear. Your attitude and a good attitude is a choice you make. Your attitude is not held hostage by your circumstances and surroundings, you are responsible for your attitude, responsibility, the ability to choose your response. Well, my boss, well, my... Choose your response. And God says, have an attitude of deep respect and fear with sincerity of heart as if serving Jesus. Big deal. Important to God. It's going to change the way you approach work, perhaps. Well, the third way, then, that I can embrace my work, I'm going to choose the right actions, I'm going to choose the right attitude, and third, I'm going to choose to work with integrity. I'm going to choose to work with integrity. Now, integrity is a big deal to God, and the workplace really is just another place that he's provided, uh, provided for us to practice integrity. I kind of like that, practice integrity, a chance to do that. Integrity means being one and the same in every situation, always you, same in internally, externally, in every situation, not changing the way you act or the way you are depending upon where you are or who's around, right? Okay, so having integrity at work means to, well, let's read on in Ephesians 6 beginning at verse 6. Remember, they will be your masters, have the good attitude. Then he says, try to please them, that's your boss, all the time, not just when they are watching you. Did you catch that? And we kind of laugh because, no, it's true. Does our work habits sometimes change when the boss is around? You know what I mean? What, what's going on? And Now, the verse is saying, don't just work hard when the boss is watching you. Don't just put up a mask or facade that you're a hard worker, you know, when you're being watched, and then, and then you slack off when you're out of the boss's eye or someone who's a superior to you. That's not being one and the same all the time, is it? And that's not integrity. 
Um, you know, I sometimes find in the workplace, not that taking breaks and some of those sorts of things don't fit in there, but all of a sudden when the breaks start getting too long, you know, and the, the little quick little check something online becomes, you know, long, long periods of, you know, excessive online shopping and video games and, you know, that coffee break started taking over your day, you know what I mean? That's an area that I don't struggle with because I don't drink coffee, so my coffee breaks are just non-existent, you know? But for some of us, that kind of thing can happen. And, and again, I'm not putting down taking a break here and there, but you know that, does that kind of ever ring true for you? Is, is my, am I working as if the, the boss was right here the whole time? Uh, maybe that's kind of part of that deep respect and, and fear as well. If I want to do a good job for him, whether they're here or not, the issue here is that integrity is God's standard, and it shows that Jesus is in you when you work that way. You serve the boss and the company well, and it's doing your best all the time in attitude and action. You know, here's another thought to maybe make it easier. Believe it or not, it's just actually easier to do it that way, to work with integrity. It's easier. You see, you don't have to worry about getting caught. <laughs> You don't have to get, in, you know, get caught taking too long of a break or wondering if someone's watching you when you think they aren't watching and what you're doing and you know, all that worry. All that worry can be exhausting. You know what I mean? What am I doing and how is it seen by others? And you know, I just get rid of all that. Do the right thing. Work with integrity. Do it with a great attitude. Work hard, work well. Choose to work with a great attitude whether anyone is watching or not because I'm pretty sure that God is watching all the time. Isn't he? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, God, I guess, is watching me all the time. I think that's kind of important. What leads us directly to number four, which is really the whole point of this morning's passage. Point number four of embracing work. I can embrace my work when I realize who my real boss is. When I realize who my real boss is. You see, outside of church, maybe sometime this last week, if I'd bumped into you somewhere out in the community, if I'd asked you to tell me, hey, where do you work again? Oh, yeah, and tell me the name of your boss. You would tell me... Um, well, you would have said the name of your boss, whoever your boss is, or if you're self-employed, it would be some clients or however that would be, but you'd give me a name there, and, uh, and that would be okay, except, except when you view your human boss as your big picture boss, then you now have to struggle with um, how imperfect they are, that they make bad decisions, and how human they are, and all that stuff, and serving, can them, serving them can be really, really tough, especially if they're in a bad mood or just plain incompetent <laughs> or somewhere in between, right? It starts getting really, really hard. You know, my boss is, but at least from your perspective. But Ephesians 6, starting halfway through 6 through 7, gives us a bigger picture. He hinted at this with the sincerity of heart part. Let me read on. It says this, as slaves of Christ, oops, we were talking about slaves and masters. He goes on to say, as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Yes, you have an earthly boss, most likely, but, but what a great thing to realize that God is, your, God is your boss. He's your big boss, right? As followers of Jesus, we are slaves of Christ. So, so when we work in our jobs here on earth, uh, we can correctly say that we're serving Jesus. We're serving Jesus, not just the company or the boss or whatever else. And if I get to work for the perfect God in the form of a man, Jesus Christ, and I'm one of his favorite employees, so are you, by the way. Did you know that? You're one of his favorite employees. Go look at his wall. Employee of the month. Your picture's there. <laughs> it is. It is. Really, it is. You are. And, and, and if that's me, if that's you, then I can't wait to show my big boss my best to work hard with a great attitude and with some enthusiasm. Cool. I get to serve Jesus today. He's not just my boss. He's my daddy. It's kind of fun. 
This idea will change your work life as you'll see that working hard with enthusiasm, integrity, and great attitude, that is the will of God. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Well, the fifth way that I can embrace my work is to rejoice over the multiple payoffs. Rejoice over the multiple payoffs. I'm going to choose the right actions. I'm going to choose the right attitude. I'm going to choose to work with integrity. And I'm going to realize the biggest, most important thing is that God is my big picture boss. And by the way, if I capture that, I am going to work hard. And I am going to work with a good attitude and with integrity if I truly keep that in mind. But I want to also rejoice over the fact that there's multiple payoffs. You know how payday isn't necessarily the best day of the week or month, but it sure can be right? It can be. Uh, and, uh, you know, woohoo, it's payday. I'm doing the little worker payday dance. Birthday, it's my payday, you know. And we, okay, so most of us don't actually do that physically anymore. We just did that with our first one or two paychecks when we first started working and kind of did that actual dance. Most of us do it inside now because we're way too mature to actually do the little payday dance. But sometimes that kind of breaks out and you have to do that, you know. It, it, um, it's a big deal. Isn't it great to get rewarded for your hard work? It's right there. We all des- and I know, we all deserve to get paid more than we do. I'll tell you that flat out. You absolutely, you, 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 get, you deserve to get paid more than you do, but it's still nice to get paid. Getting paid is pretty sweet, isn't it? But here's the deal. If you want to truly embrace your work in a God-honoring way, rejoice over not just the paycheck that comes, but also the multiple payoffs that come. If you can capture this godly attitude that we're talking about here in Ephesians 6 that we're uncovering, you'll see that, uh, that the payoffs go beyond the paycheck. Well, what else is there? Well, besides the paycheck, you get the reward of knowing you made a difference for others um, in serving well. The people that you work for, the people that you work with, and the people who are your clients, they saw Jesus in you and it impacts. And there's the feeling good about your own hard work, knowing you gave it your all. I mean, how satisfying can that be? Have you been there? Man, I, I did my best. That feels good knowing I gave it. I didn't leave anything, you know, behind. It was right there. That can be great, satisfying. Plus, um, we, we please God as we serve him in our work. And God rewards good work. We don't just please him, but we also receive a reward. Now, all of a sudden, we stop with rewards. Don't go, wait a second, John, Pastor John. These rewards... Um, you know, they come immediately or down the road. They may be tangible or intangible. They may be internal, but, but we are rewarded. We are rewarded. Let, let's read about this in Ephesians 6, verse 8. He says this, he says, he goes on to say, remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. And there are rewards. Do good work, motivated and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and God will reward you. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you're an adopted son or daughter of the Most High God, and God loves to play favorite with his children. He loves to play favorites with his children. You know, he's not going to go, you know, my kid, I'm going to treat you the same or even worse. He's not going to do that. He says, I love to play favorites. You know, your picture's on the wall, employee of the month, but it's also in my wallet is my precious son and my precious daughter. He's showing the angels all the time. Let me show you the latest picture of her, of him, my boy, my girl with a big smile. He's your boss. He's your dad as a follower of Jesus, you know? It's a beautiful thing. He carries your picture in his wallet, and he pays you extra because you're his beloved. Well, you're my son, you're my daughter. They'll all understand what the angels are going to criticize me, right? I mean, it's just right there. It's going to happen. Now, some of us, this is where we hit the wall. Some of us may kind of feel like, John, this whole talk about reward doesn't feel, I'm kind of uncomfortable. It feels kind of selfish, you know? Like like those things, they shouldn't matter to us. But you know what? God knows that things like that do matter to us. They do matter to us, and, and, and so uh, he throws them out there because he can. He says, I want to give. I want to do this for you. 
Now, remember point number two, which was choosing to have the right attitude? And so that is a big deal to God, too. So if you think you're going to enter into a work situation solely and work hard solely, so I'm doing this so I can reap massive rewards and payoffs, you know, well, then your attitude misses the point, doesn't it, right? So we're, we're, that's why this is number five in these verses really through here. You, you don't do it only because of the rewards. If that's your sole motivator, it's not enough. But it's nice to know that as we follow God and the power of the Holy Spirit, well, he spoils us. He spoils us. You don't just get the paycheck, but you get the payoff again and again, on into eternity. Again, not because we're perfect and we deserve it, but because he loves us. Because he loves us. And I can embrace that. I can embrace that. Well, finally, the sixth way that I can embrace my work is this. I can remember that every person and every task is important to God. Remember that every person and every task is important to God. Now, you may be the head of a big corporation, or you may be struggling to hang on to a part-time entry-level job. You may be unemployed right now. You may be extremely successful, or you may keep going in and out of different jobs and businesses trying to find just one that'll kind of work for you. And you know what? Although our culture will put us in about, I don't know, 12 different socioeconomic levels, you know, based on what you do, and they'll grade us accordingly, (laughs) God does not. God does not level playing field entirely. Listen to our last verse, Ephesians 6, 9. Masters? I love this, because the masters, it's almost like he says, masters, I hope you've been paying attention, because, oh, well, yeah, you've been talking to the slaves, and I mean, hopefully you're telling them to be good slaves, and he says, I hope you've been listening, because you're gonna, there's going to be a test right now. Here's your quiz. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Treat your slaves. In, these things I've been talking about, you do it too. In other words, do all the honoring and enthusiastic things that the worker bees were asked to do. And then it goes on to say, don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Oh, you're a favorite as a child, but within the family, he has no favorites. CEO or part-time, what am I doing? He has no favorites. It's beautiful. And so he's saying, masters, bosses, do the same things the slaves were asked to do. Have the same work ethic the same great attitude, the same work and integrity and, and, and work integrity, and know that we all have the same big picture boss in heaven, God Almighty. Now, I want everybody to hear this as we're kind of wrapping up here. Master or slave, boss or employee, big shot or minion, <laughs> God has no favorites. So please know that who you are and whatever you do, they matter tremendously to God. And I want to tell you, for some of you here this morning, this is the one thing you need to walk out of here because you're feeling like your life and who you are, let alone your work, is like, oh. And you need to get rid of the ah and go, ah, because God's going, ah, for you in a positive way. God is pleased that who you are and whatever you do, they matter tremendously to God. So do your work well with a great attitude, with incredible integrity, and serve God as well as you can, whether you're a busboy or a teacher whether you're flipping burgers at, at, at Mickey D's or, or you know, making six-figure deals on a weekly basis. God cares about the way, about your heart way more than the details of your job, way more about your heart. Be faithful at your job. Serve Jesus at your job, and he will reward you and hug you, hug you like you've never been hugged before. You know, well done, my servant, my slave, my kid. Going to have an opportunity to reflect on what's been said. Hopefully, God has touched your heart in some way, some of the things that have been said. But we're going to watch a video and then listen to a song about work, about God breathing into our work and transforming our attitudes and our response to Him. Let's listen and watch. 
work, eat, sleep, work, work, sleep, work, eat, watch, work, drive, watch, eat, work, talk, 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 work, watch, eat, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, watch, play, sleep, eat, work, sleep, eat, work, play, eat, work, watch, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, work. Stop.
God wants to speak to you today and perhaps change a small thing or a large thing in the way you think about and, and do your work. Um, I pray you've listened. Let's pray together. Father, we had a Selah moment in that video there of the franticness of life that just says stop and breathe and receive from you. Thank you that you love us so much, God. Thank you that you um, give us opportunity to work for employment, Father, maybe it's working in the home, other volunteer work areas. God, we pray that you transform our hearts so that we realize we're serving you, so that our, our attitudes and our actions, our integrity, all these things, Father, will follow after, whether we're the boss or whether we're the servant. Father, I just want to pray also if there's anybody here today that has heard about a God that loves them in a new way, a God that wants to hang their picture on the wall and they put their picture in his wallet, God, that they can reach out to you, Lord, and they can, through Jesus, come into a relationship with you. And if that's you this morning, you can simply pray. Uh, say, God, I want to be in your family. Uh, you'll do that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus, believing that he came and lived a perfect life for you and died for you on the cross by asking for forgiveness and asking him to lead your life, including your life in the workplace, but far beyond. You can do that this morning through that step of faith. Lord, we love you. We look forward to being um, truer workers this week. In Jesus' name, amen.